hello, how are you? My name is Elizabeth Dale and I'm a Cornish writer and blogger, sometimes podcaster, who just loves delving into the dark corners of Cornish history and telling you the stories that you aren't going to hear anywhere else. And recently I've been gravitating towards tales of Cornish folk. And I don't mean um, the well-known names, those characters that you will all have heard of, I mean the people that you will have never heard of and today really isn't any different. So I've always been fascinated with the weird and wonderful, with uh, the paranormal and I always keep my eyes peeled for for ghosts, Um, rather annoyingly I haven't seen one yet Um, and I also love local superstitions and charms and I have a number of objects um, that I keep with me all the time for some unquantifiable reason I I think that they bring me luck. So that means that I can really relate to the people of the past who life was really uncertain for them and things often happened that were seemingly unexplainable. So the idea of superstitions and witchcraft was extremely significant and particularly potent for for people in years gone by. And the men and women who could control those powers for good or for evil were important individuals in any community. So today we're going to be talking about one of those individuals, a man called Jan Taddy, who was also known as the Wizard of the West. So witchcraft first became a crime in the eyes of English law in 1541. And on my blog, um, I have actually written about a lot of the unfortunate women of the 16th and 17th century who were brought to trial on charges of witchcraft in Cornwall. Now, these were real women who just sort of fell foul of that law in what we think of now as like the deep and distant past. And fortunately, in Cornwall, um, no one was ever burnt at the stake for witchcraft. But they were imprisoned and they were sometimes ostracised by their communities. Um, But witchcraft, and most importantly the beliefs uh, around curses and charms and fortune-telling in particular, didn't just vanish um, when those laws were repealed in 1736, nor even really when so-called modern science arrived. Indeed, in Cornwall, the fears, the superstitions and the traditions of the mystical and the paranormal remained really strong like well into the 20th century and some would say they still linger on to this day. Accounts of men and women with those special powers, so-called uh, witches, wizards, charmers and pellers, um, were really very common and the word pella actually is an interesting one and I think it's unique in Cornwall and it basically means someone who can repel you know, someone who can resist or prevent magic. There was a man called William Painter who actually travelled around Cornwall 
and collected lots of stories about local superstitions and witches and wizards and he published them in a book in the 1930s which he called Cornish Witchcraft and in that book he wrote and I quote I have discovered that witches and charmers both male and female exist today and are looked up to and feared by the native population. There is a great deal more to witchcraft than people suppose. Strange and curious things do happen in the country and I am strongly convinced that for many of them the witches are responsible. So that was a, an educated man in the 20th century talking about how he believes that there is something in witchcraft. So yeah, you can see how ordinary folk would have got caught up with these ideas. So we're going to be talking about, like I say, a man called Jan Taddy. Now in June 1903, Jan Taddy was actually arrested in the village of Twelve Heads, which is a small little hamlet really between Redruth and Bizzo, so proper mining country. Now Jan Taddy was actually, his real name was John Roberts and he had been born in Redruth in 1833. He was the son of a shoemaker, also called John, and his wife Betsy. Now they weren't a wealthy family. Um, for several years after John and Betsy got married, they actually had to live in the house um, of Betsy's parents and with her younger siblings as well. And they were at Colson's Meadow, right in the heart of Redruth. Now Colson's Meadow is not exactly as it is made to sound. It, it wasn't some kind of green field in the middle of Red Roof. It was actually sort of an open courtyard just off Fourth Street and it was surrounded by quite uh, run-down poor housing um, which is where the Roberts family were living. And the space was also known as Jack Splats um, and this space was used for um, travelling fairs and circuses and, and travelling theatre performances all through the 19th century. So I'm kind of thinking that it's very possible that Jan Taddy or John Roberts grew up watching those entertainers and he may have even met and at least watched fortune tellers that would have been part of those fairs perhaps and that might have left a strong impression on him as a young boy and that may have led to what came after. So it doesn't seem to be that, that there was any kind of history of fortune telling in John's family, not that I have been able to, to find anyway. They were all shoemakers. Um, his father was a shoemaker, his grandfather was a shoemaker, both on his father's side and his mother's side and there were brothers and cousins as well that were all shoemakers. But by the age of 17, John um, is recorded as working as a blacksmith. So he's moved away completely from the family uh, business. And that's when he also kind of drops off the radar. I can't find any record of him after the census of 1851. I did find a John Roberts from Cornwall who was of the right age living in Scotland in 1871. And he was working as a merchant seaman so that could explain the gap in in the records but it's also possible that he wrote his name on the census as a different name we know that he was later known as this Jan Taddy 
or that he was somehow missed by authorities perhaps he didn't have a fixed abode at, at the time that the census was coming around anyway from that point of John Roberts Jan Taddy living in Red Ruth we have to jump forward right to the end of the 19th century the beginning of the 20th century so our John Roberts or Jan Taddy as he is now known he may have vanished from the records but he was really busy making an impression on his local community he became known as something of a white witch and according to newspaper reports in 1903 hundreds of people mostly women were consulting with him there were piles of letters found in his cottage in 12 heads all from people from all walks of life all social statuses asking for his insight his advice or for him to lift or sometimes place um, a curse or a charm and he sounds like a right character and very fortunately for us we have a really wonderful description of what Jan Taddy looked like so he was said to be of medium height about five foot four which I suppose was medium height back then he had a prominent nose and blue eyes he had long grey hair over which he tied a red handkerchief and on top of that he had a red felt hat. He had large drop earrings in each ear and wore a long iron dog chain around his neck coiled several times and he wore a long coat over the top of a white apron. Now William Painter, our collector of folk tales about witches, says that there was a particularly troubling incident near Carmen Ellis which kind of cemented Jan Taddy's reputation. Apparently Taddy was walking past Menadou Farm where the Triconi family were living and the men in the Triconi family were, were repairing a building and as Taddy walked past one of the younger sons sort of started teasing him and the whole family fell about laughing and Jan Taddy was particularly annoyed by this and he's said to have knelt down in the road like then and there and ill-wished them. And Painter reports that every one of the family died within a year and that the father and son actually died on the same day or at least so close together that they were buried in the same grave. Now I've looked into this and I haven't really been able to substantiate any of those claims but as I always say you know there's no smoke without fire there may be a seed of truth in this. Now by 1903 news of Jan Taddy's influence um, had reached the ears of the, the local police who decided that they'd had enough of this kind of nonsense and that something ought to be done about it. So they decided to trick Jan Taddy, who was at this point 70 years old. Superintendent Bassett told PC Light of the Grand Pound Police that he should set a trap and Light wrote to Taddy telling him that he was a farmer who was having ill luck and that something was making his pigs sickly and he arranged to visit Taddy in his cottage in Twelve Heads and took with him a woman who he said was also having troubles. Now she was Mrs Susie Bennett and she was in fact the wife of another police officer but they told Taddy that her cattle were ill. So his cottage in Twelve Heads um, sounds like it was 
pretty run down. It was just one room, um, ground floor room, which Taddy shared with a number of geese and a cat, which was attached to the fireplace by a long chain. Don't ask me. Anyway, PC Light um, described what else was inside when they went to visit. And this is a quote from a newspaper report. On the table, there were bundles of letters, mostly from ladies. A large circular piece of glass, surrounded by brass and mounted on a stand. Two packs of cards, a Greek testament, a sphere of glass two and a half inches in diameter, and a book in manuscript entitled The Crystal Instructions How to Use It, which had been very carefully copied from Barrett's Magnus of 1801." So there were also instructions for the burning of perfumes and a list of names of angels. Um, And as well as that, there was apparently a drawing representing a circle and a rod. Now, the Barrett's Magnus referred to was a very rare book written by Francis Barrett and published in 1801. And it was also known as the Celestial Intelligentsa. And it was considered to be like one of the primary sources for the study of magic and divination. Now, after PC Light and Mrs. Bennett had told Taddy their sob stories, he then proceeded to do a number of things. He consulted his cards and the crystal ball and then exclaimed that there was something dark happening. And he told PC Light, the farmer, that an old woman had cursed the animals. And he said that he could help them, um, but they would have to wait for the right moon. And then he would, quote, do a lot of work at 12 o'clock at night by the fire. PC Light then paid him half a sovereign And Taddy said that he would write um, to the farmer when the work was done to see how everything was going. Now, this wasn't the end of the ruse. At this point, PC Light went to the back gate of Taddy's house and he brought in a Mrs Kello, who was in fact the wife of PC Kello of Devron. But they told Taddy that she was a miner's wife and that her husband, her imaginary husband, um, was in Africa. And she hadn't heard from him for a long time and was wondering what had become of him. So Taddy charged her a shilling and then cut some cards and told her that her husband was just fine and that he was earning lots of money in Africa and he was having a grand time and that she wasn't to worry about him at all. Now, after all of this, Taddy was arrested for telling fortunes. He tried to deny it all at first, but then he was properly introduced to PC Light, Mrs. Bennett and Mrs. Kello, at which point the newspapers say, quote, the prisoner used fearful language. It is impossible to repeat his statements here. Sorry, (laughs) poor poor Taddy. Anyway, the magistrate's court was held in Truro on the 26th of May 1903 and a couple of days later the newspapers um, carried a report of the trial as well as a letter from a disgruntled reader who said, quote, The old man charged last week has been consulted by scores of ladies with regard to their private affairs. 
it is a pity that the names of the signatories of the letters found in his house could not be divulged, for I hear that carriages have frequently been seen drawing up to his cottage, a filthy hovel without regard for decency. To what a level is our Christianity being dragged when it can be said of enlightened Christian people that they stoop to such things? During the trial, it was revealed that John Roberts, Jan Taddy, had been carrying on these practices for 40 years and that people had uh, been seen coming and going from his uh, cottage almost on a daily basis and that women in particular were visiting him to check up on their husbands. And the police did complain that they had had a number of complaints. Now, for his part, Jan Taddy doesn't really seem to have been taking the proceedings too seriously. He was clearly cross at being lied to, and that was something that he pointed out repeatedly to the magistrates, that the police had tricked him and that they had lied to him, which is entirely true. Um, but he didn't really deny um, anything that had happened, apart from saying that he had never invited any of these women to, to come to his house and that they wrote to him and came to him and he was only trying to help. And at one point, he even broke into song. Now, the papers um, have him saying, quote, I was a day labourer and the ladies approached me with letters. I never went out to anyone out of doors. You will see that the letters are not answered. I didn't answer any. I have been considered to do a lot of good, but I am finished now. My time left on earth is short. PC Light and the policemen's wives all uh, gave evidence to the magistrates about what had happened on that day when they had visited Taddy at Twelve Heads. But there were no witnesses for the defence called at all. Um, and it seems that their testimony in the end was all the evidence that was presented against him. So the magistrate told Taddy that he was being found guilty of fortune telling, which I assume, you know, must have been a crime back then and he was sentenced to go to Bogman jail for four months and at this point poor Taddy shouted I shall die there I shall die there this will be my last um, and he was taken to Bogman um, a couple of days later on the 28th of May now thankfully Jan Taddy didn't die in Bogman jail. He was released on the 27th of September uh, 1903 after serving his, his four months. And according to his prison record, this was the first and only time that he had ever been in trouble with the police. Now, after his release, he disappears again. And I can't find him on any records. I do believe, however, though I can't really be sure, that he died in Truro, age 78, in 1910. And as far as I can gather, there were never any other allegations of witchcraft or fortune-telling against him. But I do have to wonder whether he did continue with it. So that's the story of Jan Taddy or John Roberts. Um, and I do have to talk about a couple of things with this. I really have difficulty believing that Jan Taddy was doing any harm. 
The police themselves said that he had been telling fortunes for more than 40 years. So I really feel that if the local people had thought he was a con man, that they would have just stopped going to see him, that he would have been exposed. But they clearly believed that he had something to offer, whatever that was. And if he was really doing anything criminal, if he was you know, causing harm, if he was ripping people off, he would have been exposed long ago and the police would have arrested him at some other point, if nothing more than just for, you know, for fraud. But the police tried to claim at the trials that he was making hundreds of pounds from telling fortunes. But he was clearly living in really poor conditions. And when they searched his house, they found absolutely nothing of value apart from three pounds in cash and a small antique snuff box. I suspect that Jan Taddy was harmless, that he gave advice, he gave people peace of mind, he made them feel better by making them believe that he had lifted whatever curse they felt they were under, or he was telling them that their future was going to be okay. And the name, the Wizard of the West, that was given to him by the press. Um, it seems to have just been a newspaper's in invention. It was not something that he was trying to advertise himself as or to impress people with. And the other thought that I keep coming back to was he was an old man who women came to to complain about their husbands. And it seems quite clear that there were a number of well-to-do women that were coming to complain about their husbands. And who knows what they were writing in these letters to him as well. And of course, that um, disgruntled letter writer to the newspaper was quite determined that the names of these women should be released to the public. And what kind of embarrassment would that have caused? We know that some of the clientele were arriving by carriage, so they were obviously wealthy. And perhaps their husbands didn't like their wives consulting this old man on their marital problems, telling him about, you know, their husbands having an affair with the maid or that they were having financial difficulties or whatever it was. And I can't help wondering if someone had a word in the police's ear and asked them to do something about it. And of course, all those letters were confiscated by the police and they shut him down. And also, he was tricked by the police. I mean, this is what we would these days call entrapment, I think. It would be completely against the law. And besides that, he was a little old man. I don't know. Poor Jan Taddy. The more I read about it, the grumpier I got, actually. And I'd love to hear your opinion what your thoughts are on this whole situation anyway so that's kind of it that's kind of the end of the story oh there is one more thing that I should add actually of course I met my very own wizard a few years ago Bart O'Farrell who was known as the wizard on the lizard and I met him gosh six or seven years ago now and interviewed him in 2016 and you can listen to that whole interview um, on another of my podcasts but other than that I hope
hope you've enjoyed listening to me. Give me a like, give me a share, give me a follow, subscribe, all that stuff. (laughs) And thanks for listening. Um, Hope to be back here soon. Take care. Bye.